Welcome to Season 2 of Best in SaaS, where we talk through the patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to $20 million and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Despite the world melting around us, we survive Season 1 with only a few scratches and a couple of bathroom incidents from our resident Best in SaaS puppy mascot, Stuart. Wash your hands and don your favorite face mask because here comes Season 2. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am thrilled, per usual, for you to listen in on this conversation. But before we get into it, if you're a regular listener and you enjoy the discussions, do me a favor and let us know by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other folks find the show and it helps Apple realize they should feature us on New and Noteworthy. So that would be awesome. With that, Enough of my blabbing. Let's get on to the episode. So this one I'm really excited for because we're going into planning season. And today we have uh, Dana Rothman on the show um, who has a phenomenal background across a bunch of amazing companies. I mean, you've been... You were VP of Marketing at BrightFunnel. You were CRO at Saster, VP of Marketing at Mesosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're an advisor at Sendoso. Mm-hmm. And you're now CMO at OneLogin. So Dana, welcome. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. And also Marketo too. That was kind of where I got my start. <laughs> Cut your teeth at Marketo. That's a good place yes. to uh, to grow up in a marketing org. Yeah. Um, so let's let's dive in. I think top planning is so top of mind for everybody yeah. right now. Like what at the time of recording, it's we're entering December now. We're about to. And uh, I think just about every executive that I'm working with right now just has their brain in a spreadsheet trying to figure out next year and yep. do retro on this year. So Where's your head at with that? What's what's top of mind for you today? Yeah, so we're going through the pretty deep dive planning at One Login right now, which is like multiple different parts. As you can imagine, we have um, you know the planning that goes on on my team itself, uh, the planning that goes on amongst the executive leadership team, where we're kind of like duking it out on different initiatives for next year, and then we have the final planning session with our uh, CEO. And so now is the time that we're crunching the numbers and uh, doing all of that thought process. I think one of the uh, more interesting kind of the different aspects of this year's planning is obviously 2020 um, has been quite uh, outside of the norm for a lot of organizations. So we saw a lot of changes in just our overall sales process and velocity, lots of, you know, kind of inconsistencies here and there as uh, you know, COVID and everything that happened this year unfolded. So, you know, looking back at the data from this year and then also trying to predict like, okay, what is 2021 going to look like? You know, when are, are things going to open up? You know, when is there a vaccine coming? Cause all of that, uh, really impacts, um, you know, our customers and our business as well. So it's been a little bit of, um, I would say more of an agile planning process than we typically have uh, because everything could change so quickly. Yeah. I feel like executives nowadays are, are having to put on much more of an analyst hat. Like normally planning time is when you have your analyst hat on, but maybe even more so now you're like trying to yeah. <laughs> trying to read the crystal ball and forecast what's going to happen in a, a way that we're not used to before. How have you had to adapt your leadership style through this? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, very obviously impactful going from pretty much, I mean, I have some remote folks on my team, um, but most of us were in the office and going from that to 
being completely remote. Um, and then obviously, I think, too, in addition to that, just like there's been so much uh, going on this year. And so people uh, have all different types of like personal stuff going on. You know, they're feeling emotional about, um, you know, some of the stuff that's going on with the election or civil unrest. And and so the, my leadership style has really had to adapt to be more, uh, you know, kind of empathetic to people in their personal in their personal lives, as well as what's going on at work. Um, obviously, you know, that gets coupled with people freaking out about, you know, the economy and, and all of that. But <clears throat> I think um, one of the more significant changes that I've had to make is really uh, how do you keep the team connected during these times? And I think it's it's waxed and waned like over the year, you know, like fresh out the gate, I, like had some really great stuff in place that was really consistent that seemed to work. And then people have gotten kind of Zoom fatigue. And that's a bit of what I'm dealing with right now of like how to keep everyone connected when everyone is like just kind of like so exhausted um honestly and not ready to go back in um so it's it's been it's been quite a ride so with zoom fatigue being a thing how do you keep the team connected like have you found any what are your secrets (laughs) yeah you know i'm still working on it honestly but so i do i have i have done a couple of for the local people who are comfortable uh, with it, I have done a couple of like local meetups, like outside where, you know, people are socially distanced, wearing masks, um, where they can come together if they're comfortable. And for the most part, the majority of the team have wanted to do stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, just trying some different stuff on Zoom, like we're doing and, and who knows will this work? Well, whether this will work, but I'm doing a scavenger hunt in a couple of weeks where I hired like an external, um, you know, I don't know, virtual gaming place to actually kind of formally put this thing on. Uh, And so while, of course, that is still Zoom, like maybe it's going to be a little bit more unique uh, in that it's like a whole activity. You know, we've done like cooking classes and like, you know, happy hour mix. It's it's tough. So I don't uh, I don't have any like silver bullets, uh, I would say, at this moment as things continue on. But I keep trying. Fair enough. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to keep it fresh and not yeah. have it feel like forced. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know. If you, what have you seen work? <laughs> I, I think it's kind of the same thing, just trying a lot of little things and having trying to create some sort of cadence of remembering, you know, because it's easy to just not do the things. Right. Right. So we've been doubling down on you know, we have a we have a sanity Slack channel where it's just everybody sharing things from their personal life. And so just trying to really encourage mm-hmm. people to like lean into the insanity and yeah. share moments from all of that, which I think has really helped codify the team and bring us together in a way that um, we hadn't prioritized that type of personal sharing prior mm-hmm. to all of this, which has been really nice. And similarly, looking for unique experiences that are virtual. Like we did a, a virtual wine tasting where we had a, mm-hmm. the, the winemaker come and do, you know, I think a lot of people are doing it's things like that. A little bit, a little bit of fun. We also, well, this is company wide, not necessarily my team, but which is similar to your channel that you mentioned. Um, but we have, uh, we started kind of this unconference, we called it in the beginning of COVID. And uh, really, it's like maybe every other week we have somebody present. So it's either like somebody internally doing kind of like personal tech talk style about you know, whatever they want, like about their career or something on their personal life. And then we have external speakers come as well. Um, and so people will just kind of submit topics that they're interested in learning about, whether, you know, it's uh, staying sane during these times and like working on uh, kind of your mental fitness, or we've had some diversity training as well. And 
all different types of things. And we've had it for, uh, I guess, almost like however long, eight months now. Um, and we do it about twice a month and, and people, people love it. They still, they still join. So it still connects. Nice. So, I mean, you've, you've worked within and led uh, a variety of different team sizes, right? Obviously starting off in Marketo much <laughs> larger. And then some of these other companies you've, you've been a leader within are considerably smaller than Marketo. Um, how would you say your leadership style has changed as you've moved org to org through different sizes? And maybe if you could share some learnings or kind of strategies that you like to roll out depending on the team size to be the mm-hmm. most effective. Yeah, I think especially with the smaller teams, um, I, I look to hire, uh, you know, obviously the people that are specialists in what they do, but also people that can be multifaceted and, you know, roll up their sleeves and, you know, pitch in where health is needed. So getting people that are pretty well-rounded that can grow in a lot of different areas um, has been a big kind of strategy to my hiring, especially on small teams where, you know, maybe I just have very limited budget um, or I need somebody to cover off on multiple things, like having people that are like kind of jack of all trades and that are very like driven and passionate to succeed and happy to, you know, pitch in where needed has been um, very, you know, impactful. I also like hiring people from kind of unconventional backgrounds. And, uh, you know, applying that to, to my team. And so I don't always look for people that have like your typical, like B2B, you know, five plus years and enterprise SaaS experience. Like I will very frequently consider people that are, are career changers, um, that are coming from different industries. So not just like I have a lot of people that come from B2C, but I've also hired folks that are, you know, like ex attorneys that are looking to move into like a sales role, um, or, you know, people that come from just other spaces that give it a little, have like a different perspective. And I think, um, that has worked very well for me in the past to find somebody that has, you know, people that have a lot of talent that come from these other, um, spaces. And I've taken kind of both those things and, uh, expanding them for, you know, obviously my, my larger teams. I mean, when I hire now, I do, you know, will hire really specialized people because that's generally what I need. But the idea of like collaboration and no job is like too big or too small, um, is definitely something that I've maintained no matter what, you know, size the team is. So I always love giving people an opportunity to kind of shout out to some of those people who are maybe earlier in their career. But you mentioned this almost unicorn type of person, where it's always hard to find someone who's enjoys strategy and execution and is willing to jump in and help out team members, even if it might not be in their quote unquote swim lane. Who are some of those folks who just have stood out over the years? Yeah, gosh, you're gonna make me like call out people's names. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> everyone in my current one login team is absolutely fantastic. Um, I'll talk about some of the folks though uh, that. Actually, I brought with me through multiple different companies, multiple different jobs. Um, you know, there, there's been several people that I have come with me on like two, three, even more companies. Um, so I'll call some of those folks out. Um, so Amelia Abara, she's actually the VP of, or maybe she's the GVP now at Saster. So she, uh, kind of when I left Saster, she stayed. Um, but I hired her originally when I was at Everstring and she came from a B2C like beauty industry. 
And I hired her as social media. And she just grew immensely in her career. She went with me from Everstring to Bright Funnel to Saster. Um, and then, you know, she's, she's there now. So she's been super successful and, you know, somebody that I'm, uh, very proud to have mentored, uh, over the years. Another similar one, uh, she's still actually at Mesosphere, which is now called D2IQ. Um, but her name is Elena, um, Iacovelli and she is, I originally worked with her at Bright Funnel where she was the office manager and I was looking for somebody to do events. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities between like being an office manager and doing events and, and being organized and, you know, kind of getting stuff off the ground. So <clears throat> she came on to do my events role. And then from Bright Funnel, she went with me to Saster also, and then to Mesosphere as well. Uh, and then when I left her one login, she, she stayed at Mesosphere and she runs you know, events and demand gen and kind of PR and a bunch of different aspects. Um, and so those are a couple of folks that, you know, stand out that I've brought with me over the years. There's, you know, definitely a handful more uh, that I've brought with me or that have, you know, landed in incredibly successful roles. But I think that my success as a leader is really defined by the success of the people who work for me you know, over the years and getting them to that next level. It's always so fun when you can bring along like, you know, the old, the old bench, so to speak, and, uh -huh. and kind of go out the next challenge together. That's yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fun because now at one login, um, so there's several people that used to work at Marketo um, that just kind of happened to be on the one login team and they were there before I joined, but it's great working with those folks again. Um, like my VP of, uh, demand gen, her name is Anastasia Pavlova. I worked with her at Marketo back in the day. Um, and then now she's on my team, which is great. And then another, uh, marketing person, Rick Stegfried, who I worked with at Marketo and now at one login. So I love bringing like the team back together at some, at some point. And, you know, there's so many great marketers, uh, that, you know, kind of came out of that time period and, uh, they're all doing really cool stuff. So, so getting us all together is, is, is really great. Nice. So, uh, let's talk campaigns, marketing campaigns. Uh, you could go with campaigns that you, you know, current campaigns or even just ones that stand out over time. And I'd love mm -hmm. to do like, uh, I call it like the good, bad and ugly. We don't have to cover all three categories, but maybe some of like your favorite campaigns. Yeah. And then I know in the past, you and I have talked about. Uh, figuring out virtual events in the COVID realm, and maybe that could fall into some of the the other end of the spectrum. To learn, yeah, yeah, learning. <laughs> learning. Uh, so, some of my favorite of uh, campaigns that I've done, I'll kind of talk about uh, two of them that were a little similar. So, before the COVID days, I love virtual. I mean, I love in person events. Um, I I don't necessarily love like planning all the little details, but I think that um, in person events are like really impactful place to get to know your prospects, your customers, get your brand out there. Um, and so to me, like that gives you probably one of the biggest bangs for your buck, honestly, is if you can put on a really amazing in person event. Um, so a couple stand out. Uh, one was when I was at company Everstring, they actually just got purchased by Zoom Info, which is exciting. Um, but at the time we were at Marketo Summit and we were a MarTech tool and we wanted to kind of own Marketo Summit, you know, like we were going to be the other vendor that had like the best stuff going on. This was in Vegas. So we rented out Wet Republic and the MGM 
to do just like this giant blowout party. And we got DJ Jazzy Jeff to perform, which was like very cool. But uh, even cooler when we learned uh, that that year, Marketo just serendipitously had Will Smith as their keynote. So like we had DJ Jazzy Jeff, they had Will Smith. And I'm like, how can we make this happen? Like, let's get a reunion going. <laughs> so uh, we for like, we hadn't even announced that we had DJ Jazzy Jeff yet. So for uh, like weeks, we were trying to contact Will Smith, like, you know, press people, his agent, like, come on, let's get something going. And finally, we got a hold of them. And they were like, well, we'll see, we're not gonna give you an answer until the actual day. So the day of the event kind of happened, we were like, just kind of waiting to see if it would happen. And they contacted us midway through the day that Will Smith was going to come and perform with DJ Jazzy Jeff. And he, you know, had his entourage, like, it was just, I mean, when it, that was like pure event fire when everything comes together, right? And we didn't even have to pay for Will Smith because he was already there. So he just kind of came by. Um, and it was their first reunion show that they'd had since back in the day. Uh, and yeah, Will and DJ Does Jeff, they performed for like a good hour. And wow. it was just, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. The whole event we had all kinds of stuff and VIP cabanas that we rented out to partners and prospects. Like it was very cool. So I that sounds that amazing. One. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so that, that went down in history uh, as like one of the, the greatest, I think, uh, events of, of the time. Yeah. You're setting like new standards in B2B for uh, yeah. this. That was like a Coachella moment almost. It was <laughs> my other Coachella moment real quick as we did at Mesosphere, you know, not marketers were marketing to IT people, developers. And um, we were at a show um, in um, Washington, Seattle for Kubernetes, which is a big technology. And I did, uh, we did an ice cube concert. So we rented out the local concert venue in Seattle and we were like, okay, who are we going to get? That's kind of, you know, they have to be cool and relevant and kind of retro, like it needs to fit that demographic. Uh, and so we got uh, ice cube and he was just incredible. And the developers were getting down and we had <laughs> like 2000 people at the show. It was crazy. It was great. It was wow. fun. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So all the success, let's talk okay. about, <laughs> is there, are there any stories or any learnings perhaps recently um, that didn't go quite as you had envisioned, but you learned something from, and now we're going to be able to, you know, be better next time, <laughs> whatever we want to call it. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll talk about our um, the recent virtual event at One Login. So I would put this in the category of like, ultimately, it was very successful, but it being, you know, everyone's doing virtual events right now, like you said, and it, there's a lot of trial and error. And, it's, you know, and so with this one, it was our first time doing like a multi-track virtual event that was like all day. Um, we And so there was a lot of learning, I would say. Um, for, for this particular one, like, despite the fact that, like I said, it ended up really well for us from a brand perspective and lead and revenue, but it was, it was tough. Um, so one, I think, you know, there's not a lot of virtual platforms out there right now. And, uh, that have like the video and the slides, like there's kind of the old school platforms that maybe don't have the video capabilities and just the, so we have like a lot of requirements. 
Um, and it's hard to vet them out because some of them are, you know, they're very small organizations too that haven't done these like big, um, kind of, you know, enterprise type events. So we signed up with, uh, with one and, you know, went through our whole vetting process, which is pretty, uh, you know, pretty lengthy and significant. And, you know, the team had to kind of set everything up and there was a lot of stuff that we missed, uh, you know, when vetting the vendor, we had some, you know, kind of issues that some of our developers found, uh, during, you know, during the event itself and before the event, which were, you know, kind of impact would impact the way that the event actually occurred. And so we were on the phone with like the other platforms dev team until like 2 a.m. in the morning the night before trying to like figure it out so that everything was working properly. Um, and I think. Just we're, you know, making sure that you're covering all of your bases when you're looking at these vendors, making sure that you're checking like the security of it, you know, maybe have somebody on your dev team, like kind of poke around and testing stuff out. The other thing that I thought was kind of, it was an interesting learning, like, you know, and, and you go to physical events and there's always like the swag people, like the people that come just for the swag. Like you go to Dreamforce, you've got the people with the suitcases that are just getting the swag. They exist in the virtual world. They do. And we, it was a whole new experience for us. So like we had, uh, we had stuff that we were giving away and we had like all of these different things that people could do, like round tables and you get a certain amount of points for joining a round table. You get a certain amount of points for like doing this or doing that. And so we had a few people that um, were able to, you know, they sign up for the event and they like tried to game the round tables. And like they had, I don't, you know, they either like wrote a script or they had different accounts where they would sign up and like fill all the spots on the round table and like do pretty much just do everything to like get points over and over again. So that we looked at, you know, looking at the leaderboard, it was like these, the people that were at the top of the leaderboard were these kind of swag type people that came into the virtual space. And I think like swag hackers. Yeah, like what they were doing is I think they would find like a particular vendor that uh, like a particular uh, virtual event vendor and they would understand how their platform worked. And then the virtual vendor, they would kind of follow that vendor to all the different conferences that the vendor had put on. Um, And so it was it was very um, interesting learning. I would say that's like, it's like wedding crashers yeah. meets like corporate events, like black hat hacking of corporate yeah. events. It was just, you know, they were just in it for the swag. Man. Wow. <laughs> Doing it for the t-shirts. Doing it for the t-shirts. So, you know, we, we learned a lot about that. <laughs> um, and just generally too, like what, you know, the heavy lift it took on the team and, making sure that we had um, all of our bases covered, that people were trained, you know, and that we were prepared for any like crazy stuff that happened. Like it's, it's almost different than, I mean, you know, an in-person event, everyone is kind of together in your war room or whatever. I think next time I said like, we should all like socially distance and get together and at least be in the same room while all this craziness is happening. 
It's nice that you get to at least not be on your feet for the events. I, I feel like that's like the one thing everybody's like, oh, Dreamforce, I'm on my feet for a week. <laughs> Just- it's true. But I think one of the other challenges when you're hosting your own in-person event, you kind of like get the feeling of the crowd, you know? Sure. Like if people are really enjoying it, you can feel that. If people are really not having a good time, like you know that's happening too. With virtual world, like you just have no idea. Yeah, that makes sense. If you know there's no, it's like a brick wall that you're talking to. So um, I'm curious, what do you do? So outside of work, what do you do to keep your mind calm and able to be clear so that you can be so effective in, in your yeah, role? That's a good question. And I am, I think you're the second person that asked me this on a podcast and I like have not had the best answers. Obviously, I mean, I work a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do, I do love, I love writing. Um, I, you know, authored a book, a B2B book, which is, uh, several years ago, a dummies book. Uh, so similar to what I do for work, but I've been trying to do more creative writing, um, when I get an opportunity and, uh, that's been helpful to, you know, kind of chill out my brain a little bit. Um, obviously uh, there's a lot of really great stuff on TV, to be honest with you and, uh, tele- in movies. And so I've been, uh, keeping up with my Netflix. Nice. Um, <laughs> trying to make sure, you know, I like get outside and like see people every once in a while. But, you know, I don't have, I, I haven't created, I'm not like whittling wood, like a wood or anything right now. Like some people have picked up some serious hobbies <laughs> in shelter in place. I have never, I have never had a wood whittler on the show, but now I have a, a, a show goal to, uh, to someday cross paths with a wood whittler. <laughs> All right. And my last question for you is just, you know, obviously at your level, there've been a lot of people who have been there for you in your career and, and whether as a mentor or just peers who have influenced you, who are some of those folks in your life? Yeah. Uh, so definitely call out, uh, John Miller, who's the co-founder of Marketo. Um, and he was early days when I was at Marketo. He, I report directly into him. Um, and he taught me a lot just about marketing, about writing, about how to, uh, you know, fill in some of my skills gaps, you know, the areas of that I need improvement. Um, he was always super straightforward, really encouraging, um, to, you know, kind of get me moving to the next level and always allowed me to have a lot of autonomy, um, in, in what I, I was doing. And so, and I've stayed, I've stayed in touch with him all of these years. So every once in a while, we'll still meet up for coffee, um, or whatever. It's been a little bit more challenging during the, the COVID times. Um, but he has been, you know, incredibly influential, you know, to me in, in many ways. Nice. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show and, um, looking forward to seeing what, what you do at one login. It's, it seems like you're already off to the races. Yes, absolutely. It's exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) 